You are listening to the audio portion of the QB Power Hour webinar series. The QB Power Hour is a free bi-weekly webinar series for accounting professionals presented by Michelle Long and Dan DeLong, who are very passionate about the industry, QuickBooks, and apps that integrate with QuickBooks. You can find out all the details about the webinar series at qbpowerhour.com. So without further ado, here's Michelle and Dan. Welcome, everybody, to another QB Power Hour. We're very glad to have you joining us today for the weird, wacky, wild world of sales tax with Avalara. Say that three times fast. <laughs> yes. My name is Michelle Long. I'm a CPA with an MBA in entrepreneurship, owner of Long for Success, been a contract trainer for Intuit for a very, very long time, and very glad to have you all joining us here today. There you can see the links for the... Um, Facebook group as well as LinkedIn and Facebook group especially is just very active. I'd encourage you all to get out there and check it out. Um, that's enough of me. Dan, your turn. Yeah, so um, I'm Dan DeLong, owner of Dan With. I worked at Intuit for nearly 18 years and a lot of that had to do with uh, talking to businesses about their sales tax woes. So I'm glad Avalar is joining us here today <laughs> to, uh, to ease some of that burden. Uh, but co-hosting today, we also co-host the workshop Wednesdays on schoolofbookkeeping.com. Uh, and Clayton, well, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Clayton Goodyear, and I'm the guest today. And while Dan and Michelle, I would expect, spend some of their time talking about sales tax, I spend all of my time talking about <laughs> sales tax. Um, I lead a group called the Emerging Business Group at Avalara. I've been been at it for the last 10 years with Avalara and, and predominantly me and my team spend our times just trying to help small companies navigate um, the wild, wacky, not so wonderful world of indirect tax. So it's going to be, uh, yeah, you never throw, never throw the word wonderful in. The I, I, I think I said non-wonderful. I caught myself. Um, the unwonderful, wild, wacky world of tax. Gotcha. Well, thanks for joining us today. A little bit uh, about the details about the QB Power Hour webinars, if you're just joining us. Uh, it's every other Tuesday at 12 Eastern. Um, not eligible for CPE yet. We are kind of working on that. Some of the things, uh, topics that are coming up. Well, next time, we'll be talking about desktop migration, uh, doing a demo, and uh, some best practices when you're converting a client from, from QuickBooks Desktop to QuickBooks Online. And then Alicia Katz-Pollock will be joining us uh, in May uh, to talk about what she's discovered about some of the niche nuances of convenience stores and gas stations, uh, which every time you drive by one today, you're you're looking at it, shaking your fist at the at the <laughs> price tag of gas. So they have some unique um, uh, things about those uh, those the, that type of industry. You know, something like the lottery. You know, how do how do you, how do they handle the the lottery sales? Uh, so join us for that. Uh, we'll be talking with Bookkeep. We'll be coming in about managing multiple payment methods across multiple sales channels. So all of your Stripe and PayPal woes will be we'll be talking about that. And then we'll do a deep dive into uh, the practice ignition uh, solution. Uh, so all the resources are available on qbpowerhour.com slash resources. Um, so we have the, the slides, the podcast, uh, prior, prior webinars. So uh, take a look at that, and uh, you know if you have any uh, questions or, or you know looking for some resources there. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about some of the QB Power Hour website updates. So um, if you go onto our homepage, um, rather than having like a calendar like we did before, and you could see my personal uh, calendar uh, <laughs> things, uh, I decided to change that a little bit so that you only see uh, QB Power Hour. <laughs> <laughs> events, uh, but you can add it to the your Google Calendar uh, directly from uh, from those events. So that if you see a topic on, on an upcoming event, uh, you can add it right to your right to your calendar as well. Um, and we're looking forward to creating a QuickBooks Power Hour marketplace. Um, basically, what I've seen been seeing a lot on the um, on our on our Facebook group is sometimes people will slip in. Uh, an advertisement for themselves. So rather than have it on the, clog it up on the Facebook group, we want to make a searchable uh, directory so where people can, you know, kind of put a, their own classifieds on the QB Power Hour. So if you um, if you have a niche nuance of, of gas stations and uh, and and um, and convenience stores and and uh, you need some, you need help with that, you can maybe reach out and partner and and work with that that type of individual. 
uh, right there on the on the listing. So uh, look for those coming out pretty soon. Uh, a couple of the housekeepings, of course, uh, as we talk about sales tax today, um, any questions dealing directly with the with the topics of the of the day, please put that in the Q and A. We do have uh, some folks from Avalara <coughs> lurking uh, in the background, <laughs> being able to help uh, answer some of those questions uh, as they might come up. Because as you may have guessed, there's going to be some topics of weird and wacky, wild stuff uh, when it comes to sales tax. So um, you know, bring your water cooler discussions uh, to the Q and A. Uh, if you have something as far as a comment of like, "Hey, nice glasses, Dan," uh, <laughs> put that in the put that in the chat. Thanks, Rich. Um, and then, of course, you have the links there for the uh, handouts as well as our, our webinar archive uh, today. So today we're going to be our agenda here is to talk a little bit about the QuickBooks Desktop Sales Tax Overview, moving into the QuickBooks Online Sales Tax, and how that works with the auto uh, automatic sales tax and and Maybe you might still be seeing the classic sales tax center. Um, and then we'll hand it on over to, to Clayton to talk about what is Avalara, some of the weird and wacky ta- sales tax laws that he's come up with or seen come that seen that he's seen come across his desk. Um, and then really just how Avalara uh, works. But before we begin, uh, we want to talk about uh, sharing and be entered. So the folks at Avalara have been kind enough to provide us with a couple hundred dollar gift cards. Uh, that we'll, uh, we'll we'll share uh, with, uh, or we'll, we'll do a draw a draw drawing. <laughs> find the link. Uh, easy for um, you to say. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll do a, a spin a wheel uh, next, uh, probably later on today. Uh, but go ahead and uh, put that in the chat here. So go ahead and share uh, today's webinar landing page uh, with uh, QB Power Hour on whatever channel that you prefer. You know, if you got Facebook or LinkedIn, or, uh, you know, blast out an email. Uh, if you can do that now, um, you'll be entered, uh, put in the Q&A where you shared it to, um, and then that will enter you into a prize wheel uh, where we'll spin a couple times uh, later on today and, uh, and award $200 gift, under Visa gift cards. These are not Amazon, so you don't have to spend it in a certain place. You can Put it wherever, you, whatever, wherever you like. And while you're doing that, uh, we'll we'll also launch our first uh, poll. So, what versions of QuickBooks do you support uh, for your clients? Now, Michelle, uh, you you had you had a good story about sales tax um, with regards to like why you don't do it. Right. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. This is why I recommend people contact Everlast. Well, it's just, you know, everything is so complex and so complicated. And if we go in and set it up and, and you're going to see it's so much easier than it used to be, especially with the auto sales tax and QBO and things like that. The problem is if it's set up incorrectly, who's liable when the state comes and does an audit and realize that they didn't collect sales taxes like they were supposed to, and now they owe $100,000 back taxes, who are they going to turn to? Us as the accounting professional, because we didn't set it up correctly. And I remember, you guys are going to learn some fun facts from Clayton today um, about what is and is not taxable. And I remember years ago, I learned from Avalara that you could have a Hershey's bar. Oh, I don't want to give that one away. Um, (laughs) I'll save that one for later, but you could have, let's say three houses right next to each other. And the house in the middle could have a different sales tax rate than the two houses next to it. You can't just go by address or by, or you have to go by address. You can't just go by zip code and things like that. And just getting the items and whether they are or are not taxable even for us as an accounting professional, you know, I know in some states, if you bundle, like, let's say you're charging somebody $1,000 a month to do their bookkeeping, and that includes a subscription to QBO and Avatax or something like that, you're bundling in the cost of the apps, that can trigger and make all your services taxable. I think it's like Ohio, they have to invoice for the apps separately from their services on a separate invoice so they don't trigger it as all taxable. So 
you know, I am a CPA who does not like taxes at all. And here we are at tax time. I've got to look at mine in the next week, right? Um, but especially when it comes to sales taxes, I just recommend we turn to somebody who's a SALT expert, state, state and local taxes, or, you know, use something like Avitax and Avalara to, to help with some of that. Because now with the new Wayfair rule and Nexus, and I mean, it's just, it's too complex and the, the risk's too high for me. You know, I, I don't want that risk. So... That's my two cents on it. <laughs> and, and a valuable two cents, that is. All right. Yeah, these um, days it would be four cents. Right. <laughs> Inflation. Right, so go ahead and um, continue on. So uh, so it's, when it comes to sales tax, setting it up in QuickBooks, uh, desktop is, is entirely different than, than it is now with, with QuickBooks Online. And, and Michelle's going to, talk a, a bit about that but with uh, sales tax and desktop it's it, there's a item-based uh, calculation uh, can be used for most uh, most instances but um, you know some of these things that, that Clayton's going to mention uh, might not be able to be you know supported the way that you know I uh, you set up these things inside a desktop uh, but the burden is is on you to know the rules right so um, that is part of the the challenge of, of uh, setting up setting the sales tax up in, in desktop is that you need to know what's taxable, what rate it is, what uh, what combination of of setting up those uh, those items might be. Um, so the, where sales tax lives in desktop is on the item list. So you create a sales tax item. And then if it's a combination of, of uh, multiple items, so you've got your county, your state, your perhaps your lo local locality, um, you know, you'll set those up as items and then you'll combine them in a group. Um, and then that can be used on the, on the sales transaction, um, even in the body of the invoice. Uh, so you can get very creative on how those uh, sales tax items are, are used. Um, if you if you need to, so like um, you know, in some some cases you'll have a, a a threshold, right, where it's like a certain dollar amount is one rate, and then some things above that is is another. You can use these items right directly on the body of the sales transactions uh, in order to you know calculate the right amount of sales tax. But again, leading back to that, the, the burden is on the user setting it up, right? So you need to know that in order to, to figure out how to, how to set that up. Once you've set it up, then the reports are, are, are pretty robust uh, where it will break down the total sales tax, the non-taxable sales, the taxable sales, um, the tax rate, and what is um, essentially sales tax payable uh, to, the, uh, to the entity or the, the tax agency. Um, oftentimes your you're going to do that in, um, uh, you know, you're going to be, be making the payments inside of inside of QuickBooks, but you're you're not able to e-file or uh, prepare your return. You're using these reports in order to help create uh, those those returns, whether that's you know going to the the tax agency's website, filling those filling those out. But as long as you've set it up properly, you can get some pretty pretty robust uh, reports inside of uh, inside of QuickBooks desktop. Um, and then of course you can pay your sales tax uh, through and everything goes through the, the sales tax payable and again it does not file or or ePay. Um, one of my favorite stories is a person a friend of mine used to work at the Arizona Department of Revenue and inevitably she would always get business owners coming in saying, I can't afford to pay sales tax. <laughs> and that's when they have that uh, conversation of why are you spending the state's money <laughs> and what's the difference between a liability and an expense so uh, so a little ad hoc bookkeeping lesson at the department of revenue <laughs> when uh, when the business owners would say uh, make that statement because it was always like clockwork it was always figured out like okay here it comes and now okay yeah you're not this is why you're holding it on behalf <laughs> of the of the, the tax agency um, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, pass it over to Michelle where we talk about the two different types of 
Sales okay. tax centers. And you're right, Dan. I mean, so many times when we get a new client, a lot of times we will see they've got this huge state tax expense and sales tax payable is like $50,000, $100,000 because every time they pay it, they enter it and post it as an expense instead of relieving the payable because they think of it as an expense. So you're right. It's They're just a collection agent for the, the state. You know, you're collecting it from the customers and passing it through to the state. So one of the great things about um, – QuickBooks Online is the new automated sales tax center because it does help um, to keep things a lot easier to do sales tax and everything. But, you know, there are a few caveats that I'll mention here in a minute. So with the automated sales tax, you don't have to set up the rate. The sales taxes are going to be calculated automatically. And this is awesome because let's say the sales tax rate's going up at the beginning of the year. You don't have to remember to change it. I mean, how many times have we seen that where the clients made sales for a week or two or a month or two? and they forgot to change that rate and then they're liable for what they didn't collect you know so with this new automated sales tax it's going to pull in those rates automatically and you may or may not see it in quickbooks online if it's somebody that's new to quickbooks online the sales automated sales tax will be in there and also possibly on desktop conversions so everybody doesn't have the new automated sales tax yet um so keep that in mind um, there is still the option that you can use the manual sales tax in QBO. You don't have to use the automated one. In this one, you, if you're doing the manual one, you do have to input those sales tax rates. If the rates change, you have to change that rate. If you have a sales tax holiday, you have to go in and change all that. So you have to set up those rates manually. You have to set up all those combined rates. If you're legacy QBO, meaning you've been using QBO for quite some time, you probably still have the manual sales tax. Um, and people can opt out of the automated sales tax. They can choose to calculate manually. So you may see the manual sales tax center out there in those situations. Go ahead, Dan. All right. Um, so with the sales tax, the automated sales tax, really all you have to do is add the state sales tax. And QuickBooks is able to look at the address and all that information to know which local and district taxes. So you don't have to put the city and the county and the state. The combined rate is, you know, 9% or something like that. QuickBooks will know that and be able to get that breakdown and everything. Um, so it's, it's calculating these sales taxes based on the location. So if it's a retail store, store, it's the seller's address, unless we're shipping it or delivering it, because a lot of states are actually destination-based sales taxes. If you if you ship it somewhere, the sales took place where it's shipped to, or if you're delivering it, the sale took place where it was delivered. And so those are some things to keep in mind um, on the location, especially now, and, it, and I know um, we had Avalara on I don't know, a year or two ago, talking about the Wayfair ruling, where if a company sells a certain amount in a certain state, that could trigger Nexus for them. So if they're shipping, you know, especially now with all these online sales, if they're shipping and have sales over a certain dollar amount in a certain state, that could trigger sales tax for them. So you really have to pay attention to um, a lot more than just where is the physical business located. Um, what is the product or service? And you're going to hear some wacky things from Clayton in just a minute on what is and is not taxable. And that's what gives me, you know, that's what makes me nervous because I don't know all those details and I know I'm going to get something wrong in the setup of it. Um, but sales tax calculate on what is the product or service that you're actually selling. And then also the customer, as you know, some customers are non-taxable um, and you need to set that up as well as get their exemption number if they are non-taxable. Um, go ahead, Dan. And, uh, you know, as we're going through this, I just want to mention as well that in the advanced training, there's a whole module um, that talks about the new automated sales tax in QBO um, an hour long. So I'm just highlighting some of the things here. Um, but here's where based on the product or service, you need to go in and say what applies here. And that's where you have to know what exactly is it that they're selling and be able to choose that. So under, you know, what kind of software or technical support are they saying, look at all the options over here under, you know, you can't just say, oh, we sell software services. There's a lot of options. Is it mandatory? Is it optional? Is it software technical support? I mean, there's just all these details where you have to indicate, is this product or service taxable or not? And if you get it wrong, the liability is on you if you're doing the setup. And that's what scares me. And uh, 
you know, I like to to have an expert to do that kind of stuff because I am not a sales tax expert. <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. Um, and also it's calculating based on the dates. As I mentioned, it's going to track rate changes and it will recognize sales tax holidays. And I love this. A lot of you, if you're in a state where they have, let's say, the back to school sales tax holiday, um, for these three days, um, you know, clothes or school supplies or electronics below a certain dollar amount, they're non-taxable for these three days, and then it goes back. Well, if you're doing manual sales tax, you have to go in and adjust all that for this three-day sales tax holiday and adjust it back. With QBO, it's pretty much automated. There is a little bit of setup, um, but it is a lot nicer um, in that respect to have that automation um, available to us. Yeah, I wanted to point out here, this this uh, screenshot here on this slide is uh, is pulled from a, a an Intuit uh, or QuickBooks email about the sales tax changes for April. Um, if you got that email, um, it was a long email. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the thing. And, and this is just uh, one section in Connecticut. Like if you look at this, it says uh, QuickBooks will hold a, or I'm sorry, Connecticut will hold a sales tax holiday from Sunday, April 10th to Saturday, August 16th for the sale or purchase of clothing or footwear less than a hundred dollars per item <laughs> so but and then there's a yeah but right like in order for yeah, it but. to work you have to make sure that every item that might qualify for that has those sales tax categories assigned to it um and uh so so it's kind of like a double-edged sword Right. Yes, it will automatically calculate that. But again, you have the burden is on you to make sure that it's it's set up properly in order to to calculate it uh, that way. Um, so that's why I put the um, the asterisks there. Some setup is still required, even <laughs> though, you know, automatic doesn't include, you know, that's not completely automatic. Right, right. right. Well, and that's a really long sales tax holiday from April to August. Usually it's, yeah. you know, just in August back to school time. But here's some great articles. If it's a Friday night and you can't sleep, get some popcorn, <laughs> have a drink and go read about sales taxes. <laughs> um, these are just some interesting resource articles that you can check out. But I always recommend Avalara. Um, Avalara's so uh, blog and, and uh, resources that they have, you know, like Clayton was saying, they live and breathe sales tax yes. uh, every day. So, uh, you know, it, it, their, their, their website and uh, resources that they have available are, are, are great. So let's go ahead and launch our second poll, uh, which is what type of sales tax services do you provide for your clients? So maybe it's research and setup or payment remittance, sales tax filing, or if you're like Michelle, I don't. <laughs> sales yes. tax scares me. <laughs> it does. I just realized how much I don't know. Clayton's hopefully going to awaken your eyes here and get you to wake up to some of these things that you don't know as well. Right, Clayton? Well, I am. Um, hopefully not, you know, sort of that awakening that's like, ooh, I have $100,000 in liability that maybe I haven't remitted through to the state yet. Because, you know, for every time I do hear the story of, well, I sold a hundred dollar item. I charged ten in tax. I collected one hundred and ten, and then I spent one hundred and ten, you know, to reinvest my product. Whoops! Um, yep. <laughs> I, every once in a while, we'll get the call that says, "Hey, you know, um, I just so happen to realize that uh, I've, I've been doing the collecting part. It's just the registration and remitting part that escaped me, and I have, you know, I have some money that I don't believe is mine, um, and that's, you know, a, a similar tricky conversation." So I'm going to pop I go ahead. up. I, yeah, I, I go ahead and I went and stopped sharing uh, our, our presentation so we can pass it on over to you. Perfect. Yeah, and I think, um, I, you know, I do a lot of these presentations and, and Michelle mentioned it earlier. A lot of them are sort of centralized around the concept of economic nexus. It's like this newer, awful thing to the sales tax party which really has a lot of companies, you know, that that are in, you know, a smaller business or they're getting going or they're not, you know, Coca-Cola or Levi's. It, it's it's caused some challenges that maybe at one point didn't exist for them. Um, so we're not going to talk a ton about it because we typically do. Uh, but what I what I will hop into, we're just going to kind of do some. I, I love this one. Weird, wacky, wild, not so wonderful. As Dan had <laughs> pointed out, world of sales tax, and we're just going to talk 
quickly a bit about you know who Avalara is. Um, I'm not going to give you the million point slide you know of of all the things we do, but but effectively we're a software company and we're just a group of people that help you know all companies of all sorts and sizes try to automate and navigate sales tax. And when we say sales tax, we've touched on a lot of parts of it. You know, sales tax in a lot of people's minds is synonymous with calculation, but it's also registration and remittance and filing and payment and you know ensuring that I'm doing it. Uh, it's it's done and set up correctly because and a lot of the times the if the input is no good, the output's going to be no good. Um, but we've been around for a while, and you know we do help. Companies just try to navigate this beast from, from end to end. Uh, we always have this slide, and it typically goes second. And, and I think what is fundamental, I've been with Avalara, this is my 10th year, and there's been a, a real paradigm shift, whereas seven, eight years ago, this was a Coca-Cola problem. This was a Levi's problem. This was a mid-market plus, you know, enterprise, I'm a very well-established business and therefore tax is a pain for me. And look, the, the, the rise of e-commerce, kind of the rise of technology, the, the ability to sell products, services, et cetera, to different people in different places, it really has brought about a set of laws um, that make this a, an every business problem. And and no longer can I be you know an e-commerce seller and I you know I have my my warehouse here, uh, and I'm just I'm, I'm shipping stuff out. I'm only located in my one state, and therefore that's the state that I have to think about. Um, that world just doesn't exist anymore. So more so, this is becoming a problem that you know if it's a if it's a company or or an advisor needs to be at least aware of to try to make sure that you don't have that aha moment where. I have too much money. I don't have enough money, or I've just been doing this wrong. Yeah, I think that's a big, um, you know, it, 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 over the last you know two years, that has really shed shed kind of light on uh, what's what's really happening. You know, because uh, you know there's a difference between you know physical presence versus you know economic presence. Um, you know, we've had a, a conversation. Um, you know, with, with, uh, our tax preparer, like, well, um, you know, one of you is in California, one of you is in South Carolina and one of you is all over the place, <laughs> right? Uh, do you have sales in those, in those, uh, those, uh, locations, right? Like you gotta, at least to be in the, to be in compliance when it comes to that sort of thing, when you have, you know, a virtual business, but you're, um, you know, you're physically located somewhere. No, yeah, spot on, Dan. And, and, you know, once upon a time, the checklist was physical, right? Do I have people, property, am I going? And, and that concept, you know, while it had a, a myriad of different flavors of the law and, and caveats and what ifs, and the state does this and that state does that, which is the only consistency in sales tax policy. Um, but now you had, yeah, you know, a whole host of other sort of how much do I sell into different states? There are a lot of laws that were aimed, you know, at least in the public eye about e-commerce, but they're really not e-commerce laws. Like they impact everyone that sells services, software um, across state lines and across borders. So, and, and that's kind of the first check mark, right? As we talk about just the different components that make up this wild, crazy problem, it's nexus. It's like, okay, where do I actually even need to be compliant? It's physical, it's economic, it's how do I operate? How do I think about my inventory strategy? Oh, wait a minute, I also have to think about tax? Like inventory, that's something that's interesting to me. Like, I like that. I'm gonna come up with a cool new way, you know, or leverage something to deliver something in a way that makes my customers happy. Well, unfortunately, you know, inventory is one thing that can trigger responsibility to register and start complying with local tax laws. Um, and then, you know, we touched a lot about it. Where do I need to be compliant? All right, is what I even sell taxable? And, and that's such a good, that Connecticut sales tax holiday is such a good representation of the complexity. You had a date, it's six days out of the year. You know, the other 300 plus, don't worry about it. Um, you had a specific 
thing, it's clothing. Is it belt clothing or shoes clothing? Like, okay, well, there's a little bit of complexity there. And you also had a threshold. All right, hey, if it's 110 bucks, forget about it. But if it's 98, super important. Because the, you know, the other component to it is a lot more of these consumers are maybe going and buying clothing on April 13th. Like maybe they know that that sales tax holiday is there. So on the flip side of compliance, you have customer. And if you're overcharging or you're charging tax during a tax holiday, is Connecticut going to, you know, gripe too much? Probably not, as long as you pay them their money. Um, but the customer may call you back and say, why are you charging me tax? Like, I'm specifically buying today because it's, a, it's my back-to-school holiday. This is when I buy my clothing for my kid for the year. Um, so I thought it was a really, a really good example of the sort of layer of complexity. We'll talk about some funny ones uh, that maybe make a little bit less sense, uh, but that'll be coming in a minute. Michelle touched on jurisdictional assignment. What side of the street? How do I get state, county, city, local correct? Um, and then you add the other layer of taxability complexion, which is who am I selling it to? Am I selling it to you know a charity, a nonprofit, government, uh, someone that's going to be reselling? There's a myriad, uh, you know, in the construction. There's a bunch of different reasons why the person that you're selling it to may cause a $0 tax to be applied to that invoice. Um, and yeah, another great example, like if you did it, if you did everything perfectly and you mess up the tax return or you don't file a tax return or you, you, know, you do it in a way that isn't um, you know, a perfect aggregation of everything that happened until that point, you know, well, then what did we spend all the time, energy and money doing it for? Because you know you're going to get some questions, maybe you get audited, and or you sit in one of, you know, the the worst case scenarios where I have a bunch of money or I don't have any money at all. And so that's kind of the challenge across. And I have a couple of slides that I'll kind of blast through because I don't think that um. Well, like you know, this costs companies money, and and I'll point out a couple of things because I always think it's kind of, you know, you throw out a big number and sixty three to hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, maybe not for uh, a smaller business or a business that's getting going. But what I point out, you know, is that bottom left hand where, and Michelle touched on it, Dan touched on it. Like, you know, these are these are smart people. These are accounting professionals. And even tax pros, like 75% think, yeah, you know, probably going to, if I get audited, they'll probably be able to find a mistake. And th those are the professionals. Um and so you have this, like, it's, it's intrinsically complex as you go and you think about new ways to do business or your business is growing, it becomes more complex. It changes a bunch. There is a real cost to being out of compliance. And even the, the people that this is their job think, yeah, you know, I probably made a mistake, um, kind of speaks to how hard this is for companies to navigate. So this is a... Uh, this is an exercise in not burying the lead, I suppose, and whoever put together this deck. Sales tax audits are not fun. Who would have thought? Um, and, you know, if I can convince you of one thing in this entire presentation, you know, let it be this slide, um, because I think we could probably all agree about that. But look, you know, when you do something, you know, there are some hysterical stories. Well, not hysterical, but like the way that uh, that companies get audited, which is a question I get quite a bit. Like. Am I going to get audited? And the answer is, I have no idea. Um, you know, I hear stories about, you know, an auditor was sitting, you know, in a, in a room eating lunch and overheard someone talking about some component of their business. And that's how it started. Uh, a lot of the times it's, you know, it can be due to a mistake. You know, I didn't file a tax return for a couple of periods or I filed a tax return completely wrong. Uh, and then at the end of the day, you know, if you do it wrong and you get in the event of an audit, it, it, it can be very, very costly. Um, which again, probably isn't shocking or news to anyone on this call. Um, so quick, you know, as we look at tax broadly through the lens of sort of indirect tax, there's a bunch of kind of different flavors and varieties, um, BevAlk, Tobacco Vape, Lodging Hospitality. I know we had mentioned, um, you know, convenience stores and gas stations, which bring a whole host of other complexities. That's not just did I get the state, county, city tax right? Uh, and am I taxing my candy correctly? 
Thank you for not stealing my thunder, Michelle, earlier. I love it because um, that's on the slide. Don't worry about that. But, you know, these other like lodging taxes, just incredibly complicated. And so there's a bunch of different industries which have an, an additive layer. We won't go into it in too much depth, but we have some solutions for companies that are in one of these categories as well. All right. Now to the, the, the slides that everybody came for, which is to learn some funny stuff about sales tax that's not quite a serious about audits or, or what have you. Um, and then we're going to go through a series of can you guesses and all real life examples that, you know, I guess the, the takeaway here is what? Like, how could this, <laughs> how could it be so complex? Like, how could one state say, okay, this, this instance here and that instance there? Well, I don't expect, you know, I don't know, hey, maybe you got a convenience store here and you sell these four, these four products. Um, but there are a lot of very more sort of, um, you know, examples that span over more typical industries. So New York taxes, some powder beverages, uh, but one of these is exempt. What's it going to be? We've got a little drum roll. I'll do it on my desk. <laughs> And the answer is Tang, and not just because Avalara typically wears orange, and we, uh, we did a little uh, lobbying out there for Tang to be non-taxable. Um, but if you're selling Tang out there, don't worry. Uh, you know, Tang is, is on the exempt list, um, unlike its counterparts over in the Kool-Aid Country Time and Crystal Light categories. Every, every, why, why every is that? I mean, why, why is, what is, what is it about Tang that... Uh... It causes it, you know, again, you know, the takeaway there is what? Uh, <laughs> but what is it about Tang that uh, so it makes I, it? You know what? I'll, I'll answer that as we go in the next couple, because there's a couple of similarities in sort of the food. Um, you're going to ask the same question about this one. I actually don't. This is the one that I don't know the answer as to the why, because this to me is almost the most perplexing because it seems it seems just contrary and it seems to be the opposite of what you think. So Oregon is a nomad state. Nomad state are, there's five states that do not impose sales tax like the rest. Um, so Oregon is one of the five states that actually doesn't have a sales tax, um, except for one of the following products. And I would have gotten this one wrong three times before I got it right. Because the, the thing that they tax is sales on bicycles, which... Again, to me, um, while you have other, you know, other states out there making purposeful efforts to reduce and create tax exemptions to, you know, encourage alternative modes of transportation, yeah. which, you know, in Rhode Island, I, okay, I, I understand that. Um, bicycles is one of the things yeah. that there is a tax imposed in, in Oregon. Um, and I don't know, maybe Oregon just sells so many bicycles that they say, hey, we're going to I'm going to tax some bikes uh, this year. Uh, so I actually don't want to, I'm going to, I'm going to chase the answer to this one down because I do not know, but I was very surprised. Yeah, that's a, it's definitely um, I, a paradox of, of, uh, <laughs> of sales tax, you know, especially you know progressive uh, state that, that wants to do these, uh, these things and then taxing the bicycle. I think they also have a registration for, uh, for bicycles as well, where you have to, and register your bicycle. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, you know, it's this weird kind of inherent conflict. Um, you know, and I don't, you know, not to, I'm not the foremost authority on, you know, tax policy at all, but you like, you think that on, on one end, like a lot of, a lot of states' budgets are heavily reliant on tax dollars. And at the other end, it's like, you'd think a state like Oregon would want to encourage people to ride bikes. Um, and, and David in the chat brings up a valid point that the state gets tax on gas for the other types of transportation, uh, but nothing on bikes. So maybe that's the, uh, the, type, the thought behind it. Yeah, absolutely true. You know, the, the puzzling thing though, is that they don't, they don't have a sales tax. So they carve out this exception. So while they do have, you know, excise tax on fuel, it's almost as if like you buy, you know, buy a coffee cup, no tax, but you buy a bicycle, uh, yes, tax. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so this one, this one will introduce, it's another sort of transportation tax. And you can probably guess as well, because, you know, you're looking at, you know, the motor vehicles, but 
the hot air balloon is a tax-free ride, whereas the other ones are, you know, you, you will be charged tax. Um, as long Michelle as you're not tied were, down. Michelle and I were talking about that. I was like, how many cruises are there in <laughs> Kansas? But <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, that I don't Missouri, know. My guess would be Missouri not, River is not that wide. Yeah, well, you get the, the Missouri really River small, is nowhere near Kansas. <laughs> you get the very small cruise ship with you know with the oars going on, something to that effect. Um, but I think like the interesting. I, I will. I'll cop to the fact that I haven't talked to many people that are calling again saying, "Hey, I'm in Kansas and I'm taking a cruise. I'm wondering about the taxability of that, <laughs> uh, that service." So, yeah, you got me there. So this is an interesting one though because this goes into like the you have this like sort of surface level or high level view on sales tax. And as you get into the details, Michelle brought up software. It's a great one. What, you know, you know it's the, the gift basket, a scenario where, okay, I got a fruit and I got a bunch of food in a gift basket that's non-taxable. But if I put my mug in there and I charge for the gift basket as a whole, all of a sudden everything becomes taxable. So this one, you know, seems to be that if you're tied down, maybe the taxability uh, differs than rather than if you're flying, you know, in the air in a hot air balloon. So once again, so here is the one, and this answer is, I think, a little bit to, to the question that was posed on the Tang thing. And this one, you know, unlike the, uh, the, the Kansas uh, cruise scenario, I have gone, I have talked to tons of companies that that have faced this. And you know, most notably recently, a, a gentleman up in I think Chicago or suburb of Chicago. And he just had an auditor. The auditor was going around and auditing all the convenience stores and just picking picking out different candies that they know are are either taxable or non-taxable in the state. Um, and that's because in a lot of states, not all candy bars are created equal. And that's because if they if they include flour, they're considered a food, not a candy. In a lot of states, they tax candy, but they don't tax food, or food is taxed at a reduced rate. So you have all these, you know, we used to have a slide and it was Milky Way versus Milky Way Midnight, which is like taxed differently in a state because Milky Way Midnight had flour in it. Um, this is one where, where I have heard it quite a bit, where it just auditor comes into a convenience store. I say, hey, I want to see, you know, to see your sales. And they're looking for sales of, you know, Twizzlers versus uh, Snickers with peanuts. Um, so the inclusion of flour, the inclusion of the product, the inclusion of support on a deal where you're selling a software license and the support's optional, you know, all of a sudden changes the way that you need to think about it. Well, and, and Clayton, isn't it like I think in New York, like if that's why the bagels are all sold whole, because if you slice the bagel, now it's like a meal instead of something. I mean, it's taxed differently if you ba if you slice the bagel. Prepared food. There that you food go. just became prepared because you sliced it down the middle and you put some cream cheese on it. And the way yeah. that they tax prepared food versus, you know, food is different. Um, and, you know, you, you think the train of thought would be you know, going out to eat or getting a prepared food is a choice versus having to buy food is a necessity for the people. And it's this weird, like, again, I could, I could understand sort of unlike Oregon, I could understand the why, but it manifests itself in such a weird way in practice when you're like, wait, slicing the bagel, like what, what is this tax on my, you know, all right, I'll take my bagel whole. I'll do my own slicing. Crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, and you know this is a this is a good one, and uh, and I think we just. I, mean, got a I was interested on in this one because it'll definitely um, <laughs> serve serve up uh, as I as I'm a nomad, but not in the nomad states. Uh, but this will definitely um, this perked my interest. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I just I got to update my bio because I just moved from Seattle to the the great state of Maine. Um, and so I'm kind of keenly watching the snow leave and, and maybe be able to get outside, which I love to do. Um, but for campgrounds in Wisconsin, I mean, and again, this just this speaks to the level of complexity that, okay, if I do one thing, you just think, okay, I want to like run a campsite. I want to run, you know, something that allows someone to come and camp or, you know, an, an, an RV or, or something to that effect. And all the different things on, the, you know, camping from, rustic to like, is there electric hookup to like, is there disposal? It all changes the way that it is or is not taxed. 
Um, and again, something that just seems innocuous and simple in, in, in the sense of it's camping people. Uh, <laughs> no, camping is not uh, exempt, so to speak. Uh, it is it is crazy complicated in Wisconsin as well. I'll be avoiding some, uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, Dan, sometimes, you know, sometimes it just doesn't, and I've done this, like I've searched for the why. Okay, why? And sometimes there's just no why. So it's like, that's been yeah. the law forever. And it's just never been changed. Um, and someone came up with it uh, at some point, And we just haven't really gotten around to being like, yeah, this is crazy. And I think this is the last one, because um, I want to be a little bit mindful of time if we have some questions. Uh, we also have, you know, maybe it's the, 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 the size of the container of the ice cream, which determines taxability. Are you going to eat it all in one sitting or are you going to break it up in a couple of sittings? I just made that up, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, right. 16 verse 14. Um, you'd think that there's some why around the use, but it, it, again, it manifests itself in such a complex way. Um, this is the last one, a little bit different. It speaks to Michelle's point earlier. There's been a lot of really awesome, um, you know, updates with respect to how tax is calculated in QBO with automated sales tax and really some niceties to help uh, actually apply rate updates or rule updates. Because in 2021, you know, these things are not static. There was over 6,000 rate changes, um, uh, you know, updates to rates, to rules, to, to boundaries, right? Maybe the rate didn't change, but the city boundary updated. Um, so this stuff never stays the same, uh, unfortunately, and, you know, it's intrinsically complex. Yeah. I mean, like you would think, you know, sales tax, it's a yes or no type of question. Um, but the, now there's a yes or no, but with a yeah, but thrown at the end. <laughs> uh, as oh, Dan, it's simpler than that. It's it's eight <laughs> yes or no questions for every single thing. You just got to answer all eight. Uh, Correctly. <laughs> correctly, in, indeed. And then inevitably 6,000 times a year, that the answer to one of those eight is going to change. Um, how are we doing on time? I, I can't... Uh, we got uh, 13 minutes for the top perfect. of the hour. I, I, I thought I was going to try to leave 10, and I think we're going to be on track. So just really quickly, like, um, and I won't dive into all of this, but Avalara does have a bunch of ways to support the different complexities that that we've, we've touched a bit on. Um I've loved to see the progress in, you know, in a QBO and some of these like source platforms, the platforms that you live in, where, you know, that the the way that you get a rate application isn't, you know, the, the nine the nine Texas two step answers. So, um, you know, sometimes companies say, like in this instance, I really need help with the determination part because it's intrinsically manual and I have to set up rates and rules and boundaries. And I need to define it's taxable here, it's not taxable there. So we do have a bunch of solutions that helps with that that part as well, um, the calculation component. Um, and then you know we have a, a whole host of solutions. We didn't touch too much on customer exemptions, but when I have you know a, a situation in which the company, the entity, the person that I'm selling to, not the product that I'm selling. But the person I'm selling to, it's a reseller. It's a it's federal government. It's state government. Um, they have a reason that they say, hey, don't charge me tax. You say, yeah, it's great, but I need the proper documentation to make sure if I get audited, they look at an invoice. Invoice says zero in tax because you sold the Clayton Goodhue shirts.com. Well, yeah, I sold that shirt. Clayton Goodhue is going to resell that shirt. Here's the certificate that proves I didn't need to charge. We got some good uh, solutions to manage the life cycle of that certificate because um, there's you know, certainly plenty of intricacy there as well. And then, you know, some people say, hey, look, um, I got to figure it out in QBO. Like I got like I, I've set it up correctly. I've relied on you know, some expertise to make sure that I have my my state selected, my items mapped. I know the difference between canned software, custom software and optional support. Um, but boy, I do not like the aggregation and filing and remittance and payment and treasury. So Avalar has some solutions that can help, um, you know, with the, the sort of the final step, so to speak, uh, in the compliance. Uh, and and it's my understanding that that Avatax just kind of sits in between um, where you're creating the sale and 
count, you know, the, the calculating of, of what actually is, is, uh, is, is being sold and, and taxing and that, that sort of thing. Right. It, it, is that, is that the basic gist of what, what Avitax does? Yeah. So, so the basic gist, so if you look and I, if I was to go back to that kind of that slide where it has like nexus and registration, calculations, certificates, treasury payment remittance, Avalar has a solution that basically helps automate every part of that. And some companies say, great, because I don't have any of this figured out and I don't really want to figure it out. So let's just automate from end to end. Um, and then some companies say, well, you know, I have some support. I, I have a filing solution, but I need calculation. I have calculation, but I need help with, you know, international or, or something like that. But for Avatax, which is the, the determination solution. So how do I get tax back on an invoice or, you know, on a website? That's exactly right. It basically says, instead of like pointing to something that I've set up, call out to Avalara. We have some basic setup on our side, which defines, you know, where is it that I collect tax, tracks, you know, your progression towards being, uh, you know, needing to register in additional states. And Avatax is the thing that sits in the middle that integrates with the different places that you do, you do an invoice and automatically calculates this for you. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it in action where it's like uh, where I didn't know that they were using Avalara, <laughs> you know. And then they record a transaction, then all of a sudden Avalara comes up calculating, and then it spits back. The, <laughs> and it's pretty quick, right? I mean, as, as far as doing doing that sort of thing, but um, it's kind of you know. Uh, even I know what you guys do, but it, it's good to know, you know, re reassure like what what it what it actually does, and then. Other thing that's really nice is that you do more than that, and you and they can pick and choose, you know what what works best for them to fill the gaps of whatever it is that you know they need with uh, with regards to sales tax. But Michelle, I was well, I, yeah. So so I was going to ask a question, Clayton. So I I know Avalara has people where you know if if we need advice for a client, you know, do, do they have nexus? Are they liable to file in certain places? But like I mentioned to Dan. I had, you know, I was talking to this um, gentleman that has a pool business and they go in and they clean the pools and he might go buy, let's say a pool liner, let's say it's a thousand dollars. And he's then, he pays the sales tax when he buys that part or materials or whatever you want to call it. So he pays sales tax on it and then he built, he, it's reimbursable expense. He's passing it through to the customer, you know, and I was telling Dan, I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if he's supposed to buy it as a reseller and then charge sales tax to the customer. I mean, taxes are being paid and collected, but is it his responsibility? Is that something that you all can help us with? You know, in addition to this product is taxable or not, is this client liable for taxes or not? Sales, you know, to collect and remit them. Can you all help us with those kinds of client questions? Yeah, the short answer is, is, is yes. The longer answer is maybe. Um, just like that's, a, I just said, we'll just pencil that answer in for basically every question you could probably ever ask me. Um, so we have, we don't, you know, there are state and local tax practices. Like they are consulting, they are helping companies define tax policy, create tax strategy. We don't, we don't do that. Um but for a lot of the kind of the kind of questions, you know, if it's just someone to talk it through, or if it's we have a bunch of tools that, um, I you know was reading an interview with our CFO and in the way he says it's like the the Google for for tax answers. So we have some research tools which just um, lay out the laws in in terms that I understand that regular people understand and that get to the question of because like. The reality of that question is there's no sense in like, I can't tell you what the solution is because we have no idea what the problem is. Like you, yeah, because you're right. Like, should he be providing a resale certificate, not being charged tax, then charge tax on the pass-through? And so if it's a conversation, if it's a piece, you know, a paid for service or a piece of software that helps get to the simple answers, or in some instances, it's a conversation with Avalara. And it's a referral out to a state and local tax person to help do some real, you know, uh, roll up the sleeves and talk about tax strategy. Uh, we're, we're not a bad place to start. 
Gotcha. Well, you know, one of the things that I have learned over the years is let's say I have this question and I contact the state revenue department. I want to ask them and let's say they say, oh, no, you don't need to worry about it. And then you're audited three years from now and you find out, yes, you were supposed to be collecting and remitting sales tax. And you say, but I called the state. That doesn't work unless you've got something in writing. So you can't even call the state and rely on the answer that they give you. <laughs> oh, you're talking Clayton Goodyear? That guy's been gone for two years. He was giving some terrible advice out. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, you're, and you nailed it. Like, get it in writing. Because um, yeah. I have definitely heard that as well. And I say, hey, look, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, that person no longer works here or, you know. Or that person sell, that person doesn't remember the conversation that they had with you three years ago, and the auditor is someone completely different. Yeah, and one that, of the things that we we didn't even talk about, and just uh, I saw it, uh, scrolling by in the the chat, is use tax. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I hate about use tax is it's so hard to find the answer because use is such a <laughs> it, it's such an easy keyword, um, you know, to actually get something that is specifically uh, towards use. Tax. Can you talk a little bit about what what use tax is and and what what it's used for? Yes, yeah. So use tax is. Um, I think if you were to, I think we have some slides on negative audit findings across everything and the proportion of negative audit findings that is use tax, and it leaps off the page. Um, so use tax, more specifically, consumer use tax is. Um, it's a purchasing, it's the purchasing side. So if I buy, you know, theoretically, think about the world before all these laws. If I was to buy a, a, a sweatshirt and I and the, the selling party didn't charge me tax because maybe they didn't have a responsibility to. Like there are still sales where I sell it in a different state, but I, I'm not, the state can't make me the one that's collecting and remitting the tax on its behalf. Consumer use tax is when I buy something, I consume it, I wasn't charged the right amount of tax or I wasn't charged any tax at all. So now I, as the consumer, have the responsibility to accrue tax that I should have paid to the person that I bought the item or service from and then pay that tax through to the state. So that's the the most generic answer. The way it manifests itself in construction and a lot of different places is way more nuanced. Um, And to just speak to the complexity again, as we think about it's not a yes or no. It's eight yes or no's. It's like, hey, I'm buying something and it's, you know, is it or is it not going to become a part of real property in the construction space? Okay, maybe I can answer that. Tell me what the definition of real property is, because inevitably that's not going to be the same state by state either. So you get into this, like, am I buying things? How am I using them? Am I using them for projects? You know, what is the definition of when I, I need to, uh, you know, aggregate consumer use tax? When do I not? It is in, inherently complex. Um, a lot of the times when we talk about helping a company with use tax, it's the research piece. It's the understanding. It's how does this company treat real, uh, you know, or the state real property versus this other one. So super complex, Dan, and um, definitely something we can we can chat about. Yeah, and I'm going to uh, throw out the last uh, poll question because what it really boils down to is when you have these uh, these specific situations, uh, starting with Avalara as a as a as a starting point would be would be great, right? Like so, that would be what we would encourage you to do is if you have these specific uh, questions um, and want to make sure that you're setting it up properly. Um, you know, start with Avalara, start with a conversation about Avalara, and maybe you might want to understand during that conversation, I don't want that burden. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I have someone else, uh, I have someone else on my, on my side that can sit on my side of the table and, and, and help me um, either, you know, take some of these uh, sales tax burdens off my plate um, so that you can really focus on what it is your core, uh, core services that, that you're offering your clients. And I saw that that Jamie put her email address in um, the, one of the questions out there. And I, I know it's also on this last slide here. And that's where I just encourage you. I mean, one of the things about being a professional is knowing when you don't know everything, knowing when to turn to other experts. And, you know, like Dan just said, this is an area I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure it out because, you know, it's too complex and it's just not my 
area that I want to specialize in. And so I do contact Avalara and, and recommend Avatax um, for a lot of these clients just to avoid the liability myself as well. You know, so we need to know when to get expert assistance. And this is a, a big area where I think we need to do that a lot. And, and real quick, you know what the other outcome is of calling someone at Avalara or, you know, listening to me or tuning in? You may say, hey, I'm in Oregon. I'm not selling bicycles. I'm selling coffee cups and I haven't triggered Nexus anywhere else. Cool. Uh, I can, you know, I can sleep this Friday night. I'll have to read one of those <laughs> sales tax white papers, right? So, you know, there are plenty of times when, you know, the, the, the effort of education says, ah, okay, like think about this, or I got to go do that, or I have a problem. And sometimes it's just like, you did the due diligence to realize that at this point, you know, maybe you are in an industry or you sell in a way that this is, you know, a problem that you keep a pulse on in the future. And, and doing it that way, um, that's a much easier conversation than, hey, I spent all the tax money that I collected. Wish I would have chatted <laughs> about this earlier. Right, right. All right. So we're at the top of the hour. So Clayton, I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Um, especially on on short notice. Uh, for for those of you who don't know, uh, we actually had another speaker from <laughs> from Avalara scheduled to join us who, who came down with something. So Clayton so graciously uh, came in, uh, pinch hit for him, and, uh, and and did a fantastic job explaining uh, some of these weird, wacky, wild sales tax nuances and not so uh, wonderful. <laughs> not, not so wonderful. Add that to the uh, to the t- the, the Tiddler slide. Um. All right, Dan and Michelle, thank you for having me. It's uh, I love this format. It feels conversational, which sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to do on these. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And thanks to you, too. Well, you did right. a wonderful job. Thank you. And, and Jamie and, and Dan, thank you as well. All right. We'll see you next time on the QB Power Hour, where we talk about data migration from desktop to online, best practices and a demo. And don't forget to share and watch for the lucky winners later today. Exactly. I like your like dance glasses. I agree with that comment. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Have a great Thanks, day. Thanks, everybody. We hope you enjoyed listening to the QB Power Hour podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them in our Facebook group. You can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com.